The city of Brockton is now in your hands. The Brockton Mass City of Champions app is a revolutionary civic app that will give whoever downloads it a full picture of the city of Brockton. Users of this app can discover new businesses and restaurants, have access to the local transit system schedule, learn who the Brockton elected officials are, explore attractions and amenities, and stay up to date with the latest news and information going on in the City of Champions. Among the many amazing features of the app is its business directory feature. This business directory is comprised of over 2,000 known businesses in the City of Champions. Business owners who claim their business will have the advantage of free promotion on the app. They will have the ability to inform users of their menus, special deals and discounts, and any other pertinent information. Here's how to claim your business. First, on a laptop or computer, visit claim.mycivicapps.com and click the Claim My Business button at the bottom of the screen. Next, type in Brockton Mass City of Champions plus your business name in the appropriate search bars. Once your business appears on the screen, press Claim, enter a name, email, and password for the account, and click Continue. Finally, fill out all of your pertinent business information. This includes everything from the business location, hours, and more. Once complete, click the Save and Send to Moderator button for final approval. Once the moderator approves, your account is all yours to customize and use however is best for your business. If you cannot find your business on the app, please email listmylocalbusiness at gmail.com and a moderator will ensure your business is inputted into the app for you to claim. The Brockton Mass City of Champions app is available for download on both the Apple and Android app stores. Download the app today. Hey there, General Red Revere here with Old Colony Pest Control. If you're having pest problems in a commercial or residential setting, we're the people to call. Veteran owned, based in Massachusetts and Rhode Island, Old Colony has been here servicing your homes proudly, and we plan to keep it up. Our team is fast, efficient, and reliable. We go above and beyond to cater each project's individual need. No task is too much for us, so give us a call. 774-400-5993. Again, the number is 774-400-5993. Hope to hear from you soon. General Red Review, out. Sugar the Play, a cash team production, is looking for actors and singers to fill several slots for this upcoming live play. For more information, please call 216-394-8926. That's Sugar the Play, auditions at 216-394-8926. We all want to end the pandemic and reopen the economy. But to do so, we need a COVID-19 vaccine that is available to everyone. A people's vaccine. For years, drug companies have raised the price of our medications while receiving billions in taxpayer dollars. Now, the U.S. government has given them 10 billion of our tax dollars to develop a vaccine. Yet, the drug companies will still hold complete control over the price and own the patents for medicines we paid to invent. Sound unfair? That's because it is. We need a people's vaccine that is free for everyone, everywhere. Without a people's vaccine, there's no guarantee of a treatment that's affordable and accessible to all. Where you were born, 
and how much money you have shouldn't determine whether you live or die. A people's vaccine will be affordable and distributed fairly based on need, not ability to pay. Across the world, drug companies are getting rich while millions cannot afford care. A people's vaccine is a chance for change. It's this simple. COVID-19 vaccines invented with taxpayer dollars must be made available for free to everyone who needs them. It's time for a people's vaccine. what you're thinking. Is this the booth, drafting the circuits, three-way theater or the Kevin Jackson show? Well to tell you the truth in all this excitement I kinda lost track myself here on Hoobazoo.com. So, do you feel lucky, punk? too soon either, babies. <laughs> that was Queen with their big hit, uh, one that I never particularly cared for, but I'm nevertheless forced to play here on WKRP. This is Dr. Johnny Fever just doing my job following the orders of Venus Flytrap. He's just doing Andy Travis' job while Andy fills in for our sales manager, Herb Tarlick, who's not doing his job. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? This is blasphemy. This is madness. This is the proof. It's your boy Sinister One broadcasting live from the City of Champions. You are listening to The Booth, and we are starting off the show rip-roarious with a 
we are going to fly today. We got a ton. This is the most breaking stories I think I've ever seen on this show. I got to thank my special guest last week, Lei Wang, the first Asian woman to climb all seven peaks in the world. And she told us her story of how she almost passed away on Mount Everest. Uh, she's originally from Boston, so I give her, give her props for coming on the show. Today is also February 1st, which means two things. One, it is Black History Month, so we've got 28 days to celebrate Black History. I know a lot of people complain because they say it's the show this month, but you know something? Make something of it. Don't complain. Make something of that month and make it worthwhile. But it also means... It's the first Tuesday of the month, which means I am joined by my guys, Robert Resnick and Ken Diesenhoff, and we've got a lot of stuff that we got to get into. Um, i got to just blow through my sponsors real quick. MDB Electronics, Michael Douglas Barreto for Fixing Controllers, Bianca Marie for her music all over the way, play streaming everywhere, shooting the music video. I'm going to be showing a clip to close out the show this week about Sando Films, who's producing her music video this weekend. Tactical Target Systems, where I get my targets from. Also, I love BostonSports.com. You see our last winner there, John Hayes, with his shirt. Also, veteran-owned Carl Bennell, Old Colony Pest Control. We show our support and love for him. Give him a call. And before we get into the news booth and get into these stories, I'm going to let my guys say hello. I'm going to set up with Ken up in the upper left-hand corner, man. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Glad to be back here. I hope you all survived Snowmageddon 2022. <laughs> uh, uh, I squared down I below. I would say hello, everybody. And as you can see, there is no snow. Because he's down there in Florida, and uh, we hate you. Because he's a <laughs> And you guys, I got a nice shirt on here. Lionel Boogs Young, who's fighting this weekend at Cage Titans uh, 51. He is fighting Joe the party Penafiel. So I'm just going to stand up, let you guys see the shirt real quick. And uh, we're going to get into this because we got a lot of stuff going on. So in the news booth, first story, this one's personal to me. Rest in peace, Anthony Tony Snuffy Mastriandra. Uh, he was the head of the local 264 union when I was at the MBTA. He was a great guy. First guy, one of the first guys I met when I came on the MBTA back in the eighties. I'm not going to date myself here and let everybody know, but, um, he passed away, so if anybody wants to pass this information along, services and information is available online. Also, here in the Brockton News booth, uh, real quick, I'm just going to put up a big schematic of this one, because Fred Fontaine, who is here in the Brockton area, he is actually getting ready to run for state rep 11th Plymouth District for the Brockton area. So we're going to keep an eye on him, maybe see if we can try to get him on here for an interview and see where we can go from there. Uh, let's get into the legal booth. Got to get right into this. Brockton story here. Brockton Appeal Court affirms the convictions of a Brockton man who was sentenced to prison for a 2015 shooting. Kelby Correa uh, shot, well, actually, Kelby Correa was involved in one shooting at outside of Bardino's, and then he was involved in the shooting where the person died. Um, I'm not sure if Ken can talk about it, if he's familiar with this case, but kind of walk us through what happens here, because usually we talk about people filing appeals and things of that sort. This one actually yeah. went through the appeals process, and they found him that that it affirmed his conviction. They pretty much solidified, correct? Well, yes. I mean, it, not to get into the weeds here, but very simply, there was some questionable tactics done by the Plymouth County DA's office, and they've been cited before for their tactics. Ironically, 
uh, a lot of what they did was legal at the time they did it. It's now illegal. They can't do it. There are certain evidentiary. It's a whole different show. The argument was, was certain change the law retroactive to the time and the SJC and the appeals court ruled it's not. And that was the reason main, mainly. Most people thought there was no chance they were going to retroactively apply it. And they didn't. So it was not a big surprise. Nice. It's a, it's a good story because I read about this guy and I'm like, this wasn't a nice dude anyway. <laughs> I was I was like, man, this is this is another one. So uh, moving on into the legal booth, uh, Samantha Schwartz is accused of hiding out the South Shore shooting suspect Dijon Beasley, who is still out there. They're still hunting this man down for shooting someone in the head at South Shore Plaza. Uh, the craziness here is, is that we've gone this far, Ken, to where... You know, she did what she did, and now she's going to be an accomplice to murder instead of just giving them up. What What is with some of these women? I don't, I don't understand it. And Ken, you're a defense attorney. Is there something that you say to these women and say, "Hey, you you could end up going down for all of this"? Yes, I I see this all the time. A lot of these women become so wrapped up in these bad boys that they can't get out. And I've gone to these women. And I said, "You need to understand something." You can go to jail, and when he's in jail, he's going to forget about you and move on to the next piece of action. And they said, no, he loves me. We're, we're ride or die together, blah, blah, blah. Okay, nothing I can do. You want to be stupid? You're going to be stupid, but they're going to throw your ass in jail. So a lot of times these guys tell them, oh, baby, don't worry about it. They're never going to charge you. It's all a bluff. You know, don't worry about it. My people are going to take care of you. Yeah, look, guys, you know, it's 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 a mental illness or at least a personality disorder, however you want to define it. I'm sure it's in the DSM, but you've got women and men, for that matter, who just have this attraction to, you know, people in jail or whatever. They think they make love connections, and some of them do. When they get out, they wind up getting together, maybe short-term, maybe long-term, but, you know, a lot of times they're just disappointed. They found out that there really wasn't anything there. So, you know, it's it's a it's a strange phenomenon. You know, Ken says he sees it a lot. Yeah, it, it, it's Certainly, it exists out there. Nobody seems to understand why, but it's it's in the DSM. You know, it's a personality thing. And her family yeah. even said that she began acting strange. They said that she, you know, she moved out. She wasn't staying at home. Nobody knew where she was. And um, and now we have this. So hopefully, she wakes up and doesn't end up going down for this murder because this kid is still on the run. Um, so if anybody does see Jawan Ben Beasley and his picture is out there, if you want to search it on the internet, uh, make sure you stay away from him and just contact the police department that you're in that area where he might be. This one here, I'm applauding. The judge rejected the federal hate crime plea deal for at least one, maybe two of Ahmaud Arbery's killers. For those who don't know what was going on here, these guys are getting life. Um, but what they wanted to do was they were trying to cut a plea deal so they could be moved to a federal prison where they would have a cushy kind of uh, time in jail. I'm going to let R Square take this one um, and give his thoughts on that. Yeah, you know, the, the judge obviously had discretion here whether to accept the deal or not. And, and the judge certainly went with the, you know, the family's wishes on this one. The family didn't support it. And, you know, it, it's a difficult decision. I mean, you, you applauded it, and I don't think the judge made a mistake in any way. But, you know, judges are in that difficult position of doing what's right for the system and, and all the parties. And, you know, had the judge thought that this was really the right thing to do in the name of justice or what have you, then you'd have families being angry about it. And would we still be clapping our hands for the judge? Uh, and that's the that's the nature of the beast. In this particular case, uh, you know, the, 
this was the younger McMichael who wanted to plead guilty to the federal hate crime and then basically serve the first 30 years because their sentences would run at the same time, basically, or at least that's the agreement. He mm -hmm. would serve the first 30 years in federal prison, which would be 30 years off of the combined sentence. And then if there was anything left because he was given life, he would go to um, he would go back to Georgia to finish out the remainder of his sentence there. So, you know, look, prison is prison. I mean, yes, federal prisons may be nicer than Georgia state prisons. They probably are. Uh, go to a prison, a federal one or a state one. They're not pleasant. So, you know, it's not like he was going to get over in any way if he was in the federal penitentiary. Uh, you know, the, the family wants their pound of flesh a second time. I don't blame them for it. This was a heinous crime, in my opinion. Uh, I thought the state... <clears throat> went very well. They were pro punished appropriately with the sentences they were given. Uh, if the feds want to tack on, that's, you know, I guess that's their business. But, you know, I, I don't know that this would have been a travesty of justice either way. I, I think the judge was, was, was right to do it, but it wouldn't have mattered either way in the, as far as justice is concerned. Ken Diesel? I agree with what Rob said. Uh, I disagree with what you said. The federal system is not pleasant. I mean, going to federal prison, he's not going to a minimum security prison. Right. He's not going to a prison farm. He's going to a maximum security prison. They can be rather nasty. I think it's a safety issue with him. He thinks he'll be better off in the federal system because of there's a lot more white prisoners in the federal system than probably Georgia. I think that's one of the reasons he wanted to go. Mm, okay. Uh, I would admit, you know, I thought that too, Ken. I think you're exactly right. But I think there are plenty of white supremacists in the Georgia prisons. Uh, oh, and yeah. he would have There's found, no you know, they would have, they, whether he's a true supremacist or just whatever he is, they would have adopted him and, and you know, whatever. I, I, maybe he wouldn't have fit in with anybody. Uh, you know, clearly this was a crime that involved race. And so, yeah, obviously the, you know, black prisoners or any prisoner of color probably would have uh, not treated him very well. Um, but maybe he wasn't fond of joining the white supremacists either. I don't know. But that's, you know, prison sucks, people. Don't commit a crime. Yeah, exactly. I agree <clears throat> with you, Rob. Don't commit a crime. And I hate to say this, but he probably would be just forced to because the last thing is, is you, you need somebody to protect you at the end of the day. And to be honest, even joining their ranks, you know how it is in jail. You don't get something for nothing. You, you Somebody comes to collect oh, yeah. eventually. So, you know, either way, he's screwed. Um, but we'll see. Um, here in the legal booth, two New York nurses allegedly made $1.5 million off of fake vaccinations. What is the scuttlebutt for this penalty, Ken or, or Rob? What, what, it, what, because I haven't heard any penalties or what the crime is for this at this time, because this is kind of something new. Well, in the, well, in New York State, remember this is a New York State prosecution. I, I did talk to two others of mine. One is a doctor uh, who's there currently finishing up her residency, actually, finished up her residency. Now she's entering practice at NYU Medical. My other cousin is, an, is a retired nurse. Apparently in New York State, forging vaccination documents is the equivalent of forging prescriptions. So it Ooh. falls under that statute. And they're looking at, uh, you know, they can look up to 20 years in jail and the loss of their medical license. Remember, nurses are, are licensed by the state of New York. So at least they'll lose their medical license. Ooh. And they'll not be getting one in any other state. But they're looking at jail time. They can look up to 20 years. They're probably looking at two or three years at least. Look at the same example. 
Yeah, I'm glad you followed up with that, Ken, because 20 years would seem outrageous for this particular crime. And I'm not minimizing or excusing it, but 20 years, this is not a violent crime. So, you know, a token sentence to get everybody's attention is good. But the loss of their license, I think, is the critical piece. Right. Because that's that's their livelihood and they will never be able to practice in New York or anywhere else again with their license revoked under disciplinary reasons like this, felony reasons like this. And, uh, you know, it is it it is the same as as writing a fraudulent prescription because you're basically giving somebody a medical status that they're not entitled to. And this should offend every medical professional. This has nothing to do with COVID. This has nothing to do with any of those COVID issues for everybody that's screaming that they're heroes or something like that. This has nothing to do with COVID. This has everything to do with the sanctity of our medical practice. Would you want doctors who just go giving out prescriptions to their friends for all kinds of, uh, you know, narcotics and painkillers and what have you? Oh, yeah, that's how we got the opioid crisis. So so let's not celebrate this as anything that it's not. This is fraud. It's dangerous because it might not be maybe it's COVID today, but it might be something that, uh, you know, that affects other people tomorrow. So forget it. They, they need to be made an example of. They need to lose their license. They need to be properly punished. They need to pay a huge fine because they made money off of this. And, and then let's move on. Mm. And like you said, they're losing their nursing license, which means if they've got any pensions or whatever, they're about to lose that. So yeah, it's a tough one. And it's a, it's a scary story because we need to know how many, a million five means they, they gave out a lot of prescriptions. I mean, right. um, vaccination cards, a million five. So Wow. Now, here's, the, here's the other other thing. What's yep, not being talked about, and that's what I hear <clears> from both my cousins. They believe this is the tip of the iceberg. They don't believe these two were out operating independently. Oh, no. They believe they're part of a ring. Mm-hmm. So they're looking to see who was financing them and move, you know, move up the chain of command type of thing. So they'll probably cut a deal, which will require well, at least loss of license, definitely restitution. How much jail time that's I think is where they can negotiate, but they are gonna get jail time. Everyone is telling me that the DA and all of the organizations who already said they're getting jail time. How much? That's an open question. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this on the show about things that you can say and things that you can't say just because you have a platform. One of the things that we do here on the booth is that me and Ken <clears throat> were involved with commercial radio and we could have came out here and did whatever we wanted and said, you know, there's no FCC out here, but no, we kept it the way we were on the radio and we've, kind of followed that standard um joe rogan has his podcast and you know what he he's become really famous with his podcast there's i have a love-hate relationship with joe rogan and his popularity but what has happened here is that joe rogan is pushing the his agenda of covid and how the you know survive covid and get treated with covid and you know you got people like dana white praising him um, but guess what happens? You know, he's on Spotify as an exclusive. He gets all these listeners, but all of a sudden, people like Neil Young says, "Hey, I don't believe in what he's saying, and it's not right." And you're, he's giving misinformation. I'm pulling my library of music. Neil Young pulls his music. That's six million listeners gone on a daily basis. Now Joni Mitchell has pulled her music, and some people are like, "Oh, who are these people? These people are washed up." It doesn't. You guys don't get it. The older music that's timeless is what's keeping these streams going. The people that are putting out music today, that garbage and a lot of the stuff that's out there today, that music's here and gone tomorrow. The Eric Clapton's, the Joni Mitchell's, the Bruce Springsteen's, the Rolling Stones, all of these people who have timeless classic music that, that has no end are starting to pull their music from Spotify and go to iTunes or go to Tidal and put their music there. Eventually. Spotify is going to say to Joe Rogan, hey, 
we're bleeding way too money, too much money. You need to figure this out. Now, Joe Rogan already came out and he said he's going to now have his show balance things out and not be so biased. So he's going to start having people on with a different opinion. I'm going to let ask Rick because you, you, you know, you talk about this stuff all the time, man. Yeah, first of all, I don't know why anybody takes Joe Rogan seriously. The guy is not a news person. He's not an intellect. He's not an academic. He's not a scientist. He's a sports and entertainment guy. Do you remember Fear Factor where people had to eat bugs? That's Joe <laughs> Rogan. All right. So for, so why you would take any kind of advice from him is, is beyond me. But let's talk about the show then. So, yeah, his show was was was. You know, awful in this regard, because, you know, I, I saw the interview with him when he tries to act contrite, like he's going to fix this. Oh, I just wanted to have different points of view. I just wanted to have interesting discussions. No, you didn't. And don't anybody fall for that. If you want different points of view, then you bring guests on your show that actually are qualified to have whatever points of view they have. You bring scientists and doctors, nurses, practitioners, immunologists, whatever, if we're talking COVID, because this is about COVID, uh, that have different opinions but have the, the scientific and academic backgrounds and experience to offer those opinions. He wasn't bringing those people on the show. He was bringing people that were as qualified to speak about uh, immunization as I am to speak about, uh, you know, fixing Keith's buses. OK. <laughs> and, and so, you know, it's it's you, you can't do that. So if he wants to bring people on the show and and be taken seriously, then don't bring clowns on the show. Bring people who have a basis for an opinion. I don't mind people with different opinions. I'm not threatened by it. I, I'm happy to discuss debate with anybody. The fact of the matter is that when you have clowns on the show, you can't debate, you can't discuss. They don't have a basis for anything they say. They don't, you know, so it, it's ridiculous what he was doing. And the fact that he says, oh, we just wanted different points of view. No, he didn't. Nope. And, and Kevin, him, Kevin Jeffries is saying he did have those. And Kevin, he did have credited people on, but they were credited people to push the agenda that he was on. He did have people from time to time on, but when you look at the balance of people I'm that he had, overall, on, who he had he, on, exactly the overall is is where the issue is. So he's now said that he's going to balance things out, and that's all. I have a, to be honest. The only reason why he's saying this is because Spotify said to him, "Hey, if this if we keep bleeding money." you're gone. They're not going to host this show on Spotify. He's going to have to go elsewhere. And, and because it's only like, when you look at the average listener, it's only like a 5 million gap of, of listeners. He, cause he does his show every day. So everybody's like, well, he has 300,000, 300 million listeners a month. It's like, yeah, but he's putting out content every day. These music artists aren't. So when you break it down to that single average, it's only a 5 million gap. And eventually Spotify, if that gap gets bigger and bigger and bigger of people pulling their music from Spotify, they're pretty much going to tell him to to shut it down. But he's already going to decide on uh, bringing more people in to show a different side of things. So let's see what Joe Rogan does. Again, he's not a scientist. He's not a doctor. He's the UFC guy. He's a, he's a stand-up comedian who hosted, as you said, Fear Factor. So, you know, he... he this is why you have to be careful with what you do with your podcast. And in another legal story that's not in here, but I'm going to mention it. Another great story is Tasha K. She hosts a podcast. She was saying all types of things about Cardi B and Cardi B just turned around and said, you know what? I'm gonna let my lawyers handle it. She sued Tasha K and guess what happened? 
They found her in guilty of defamation of character, and she now has to pay Cardi B one point five million dollars. That is a that's a precedent set for podcasters and vloggers. Just because you have a platform, it doesn't mean you can say whatever you want because somebody can turn around and say, "Hey, that's not true," and I'm going to do the legal route and I'm going to sue you and hit you in the pocket. And you know, it's it's podcast is nice, but there's a legal side of it, and people need to pay attention. Um, Another big story today, um, I watched this gentleman. He is the ADL head for the Jewish community. He was on CNBC today and MSNBC because there was an issue with a book that was written called Mouse. It's a, it's a graphic novel featuring mice as Jews in the Holocaust where 6 million people were killed. And this book was banned by the school for crazy stupid like it's like they looked at the book and tried to pick a rule and it's the it's what people call the whitewashing of history and people are upset this gentleman says on the show makes a very strong statement he says anti-semitism is not a jewish problem it's an american problem and he's very upset about this i'm not sure if you guys were familiar and saw this story out of tennessee uh, Rob's nodding his head. I'm going to let you guys both speak on it because today, I believe, is the actual um, anniversary, 77 years of the Holocaust, isn't it? Something like that, isn't it today? Uh, last week. Last week? Okay. I'll let Rob go first and then I'll let Ken speak. Yeah, you know, look, obviously anti-Semitism is a huge problem. To quote uh, Mr. Greenblatt, who I think is an excellent spokesperson, he's very reasonable, he's not partisan, so if you're, you know, if you, if you hear him speak, you know, he's a legitimate person to speak on these issues. And, uh, you know, the, the issue is it's been on the rise for a while and it's been on the rise even more sharply now and it's in all walks of life and it, and it poses danger. Uh, you know, you saw what happened in the synagogue in, in Texas and I know that might have been an isolated incident for that one person making that one statement, but these threats exist all the time. So it's a real issue. Now about the book, you, you know, it's, it's not like everybody reads the book. Right. So, you know, if, if they don't like that book, the question is, are there are there reasonable substitutes available? Are they banning the, the teaching or discussion of the Holocaust in its entirety, which would be a huge problem? Or are they just really uncomfortable with this one book, which does have profanity, nudity and, and other things in it that maybe they legitimately don't think is appropriate for a certain age group, if not even high schoolers, just because that's the way they approach things. So I, I see it as two different issues. If they're trying to ban all study of the Holocaust, then that's shameful and, and, and harmful. If they just don't like this book, but there are other sources that they would allow teachers to use, then it's you know, then it's a different issue. I never read that book. I don't know anybody that has read that book. I'm not against it, but I've never read it. I'm not familiar with it uh, until this news story was, was circulating. So I don't know that this book is the absolute critical thing everybody has to read. I think there are good sources out there, and as long as the teacher is doing a reasonable job presenting it as an, you know, appropriate for the age group that they have, then, then that's the right answer. Ken? Well, yes, I agree with everything Rob said. I actually did read this book a number of years ago uh, as part of my Holocaust studies program was at, I was at UVM. I thought it was overrated, to be perfectly honest with you. I didn't understand what all the awards. Again, I was very familiar with the subject matter. It was originally written for people who are not familiar with the Holocaust. It was a way of breaking it down so people could easily understand it. Think of it as, as the idiot's guide to the Holocaust. It's been around for almost 50 years. It's very famous, wins all kinds of awards. Again, I thought it was overrated. I thought their reasons for banning it were ridiculous because they had the word damn in it. Look, 
our students right now have to go through active shooter drills. <laughs> We've got to worry about, you know, opioid crisis. Of all the things worrying about the students, this book is not, is not going to blow anyone's mind. It's by nature, considering what you can see on the internet, what you can see in advertising, uh, it's not nearly as bad as any of the R-rated movies out there, any of the Deadpool movies, any of the Marvel movies, any of the Fast and Furious movies. Uh, any of those are much more graphic than it is. If you want to see an excellent documentary on the Holocaust, I can recommend a number of them. They're very graphic. That makes Mouse look like a G-rated thing. But I was utterly completely shocked about this was clearly a, a way, again, this is on the same people who are trying to equate critical race theory with teaching of the history of the various race mm -hmm. riots that occurred throughout, throughout history. We did a whole show on that. There's another story. But this is absolutely and completely ridiculous. The only thing that it has happened is apparently Amazon has already noticed a spike in sales of the book. So <laughs> of course. One, one of the groups I belong to is a civilitarian group. And they're saying that once again, every time they try to ban a book, you start seeing spikes in these books. And a number of bookstores have actually started whole, whole um, tables of quote unquote banned books of the month. And apparently they're selling out incredibly well. So maybe this was, again, this Bad is, press is good admit, press. I will admit I'm bringing out my tinfoil hat now, okay? So be careful. I'm giving you a fair warning that this was a sneak, this was, you know, someone was trying to fake out, wanted to educate people in Tennessee and other places about the Holocaust. So, hey, Quickest way to do it is tell them they can't read about it because then everyone's going to read about it. The problem is it's not those people who are buying the book. If only right. that was the way it worked, then it would be great because you'd, you'd get the audience you need. The problem is the people who are so afraid of, of reality, the people who are banning legitimate education, uh, their families aren't buying the book and they won't yes. read the book. And they're the ones who would benefit most from at least discussion of the topic, even if it's a different book. But so, you know, the people buying the book are not the ones who actually need to be doing it for this purpose anyway. So. Right. <laughs> sad but true. But. Yeah. And, and we're, we're still in the legal booth, people. And again, like I said, this is the first of the month. I usually have my guys on, so I'm usually heavy in legal stuff and heavy in Biden bombshells. So we're still in the legal booth. We actually have one more story coming in here. And this is about, pretty much real quick, this is about President Trump. Um, he is looking to get elected in 2024. And, um, you know, he's talking about running again. And I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's going to be DeSantis is going to be the Republican pick to run in 2024. Um <laughs> Rob is already saying no uh, down there in Florida, but I, I have a feeling that's where they're going to be. Um, Trump, all this weekend, he's been back and forth. Um, he made some comments about Pence. Um, he wasn't happy with the fact that they're coming after him and his family, Ivanka and Eric and, and Donald Trump Jr. have all been questioned now. Last week, I mentioned on the show how Eric broke a record for pleading the fifth 500 times during his questioning. And I see both of you guys laughing. I will let you both chime in real quick on the 500 times he pled the fifth. I will let Ken, you're a defense attorney. I will let you go first. I see I see the, the smiles are awesome, guys. <laughs> go ahead, Ken. I'll let you go first. <laughs> you know, I don't, I, okay, let me just say, so Lou Terry will say he has an absolute the right to keep his mouth shut. 
the criminal defense attorney in me says, yes, that's what he's supposed to do because every, you know, the only thing you're going to do when you talk is dig your hole even deeper. So yes, he did the right thing. But 500 freaking times, <laughs> when you have to plead the fifth 500 times, that means you done screwed up, son. And you is going to jail. Oh. Give me an idea. If it takes about 30 seconds to ask each question. Right. And it takes about 10 seconds to give an answer. I plead the, or 15 seconds. That means he spent almost three hours ducking questions. <laughs> Other than his name. Means he could basically get out his name and where he lives. It's the only thing that you could say that would not incriminate him. And I'm not even so sure about the name part. Uh, Squid, I saw you. I saw you laugh right away well, too, man. <laughs> look, first of all, when Trump complains that they're going after he or his family members, you have to remember something. It isn't one thing. You have the federal investigation, and there are different investigations because they've been involved in different things related to the presidency right. and their so-called charities. You have statewide. Uh, uh, investigations that might lead to charges in New York uh, in, and other locations. You've got uh, local district attorney issues. You've got the IRS. So he, you know, these these guys are, are they, they just can't stop. They, they, they've never seen a regulation they don't violate, a law they don't violate. They just can't help themselves. And so I'm surprised it was only 500 times. That's kind of why I'm laughing. Because, no, if you think about it, right, how long has this family been, been you know, a criminal enterprise? Uh, mm. You know, obviously, when they were kids, they were learning probably some legitimate stuff. But at some point, uh, after they faked their way through college with dad's money, um, they, uh, you know, they joined the business. And, you know, from what I understood, he actually made them do some of the ground level stuff for a while. But it didn't take long for them as you know, as the family that owns completely their businesses uh, to be involved in the decision making. And so it's, you know, Donald Trump Sr. may be involved in almost every one of these decisions, but at least some of his kids are involved in them because they kind of parcel everything out. And if you think about, you know, the, the, the decades that they have been in business, or at least, you know, he's been in business for decades and the kids with him, they've committed more than 500 crimes. And I know that might seem facetious, but think about it. Think about it. Mm -hmm. You know, between the taxes, between the charitable filings, between, you know, some of the other things, even before he entered politics, there were you know, just how many days in a year are there? Because that's the kind of the way it is with, right. with you know, with, uh, with the <clears throat> Trumps. And then you add in, you know, a lot of the stuff from the federal government in January 6th and trying to interfere with some state elections. You know, there's a bunch of investigations there. You know, the kids are involved in, uh, in some of that anyway. You know, Ivanka worked at the White House, let's remember. He keeps complaining that they're going after his kids. And the, they worked in the White House. They were part of it. If he didn't want his kids to be involved, then don't hire them into the White House. They were part of all of these decisions. And if they weren't part of the decisions, they witnessed them. They are absolutely rele you know, relevant and necessary witnesses. They may not have criminal liability. I don't know whether they did or not, but they're certainly relevant witnesses who should be testifying. And so, you know, they're not going after his kids. If you put your kids involved in your criminal enterprise or your corrupt political games, then they're going to be part of it. He did that. And so the whole thing is just a little bit ridiculous. So, you know, 500 times, it'll be 500 more times next time. 
And the funny thing is with Ivanka, she wanted nothing to do with Donald until he got into the White House and then she took that job, as you said, in the White House. And she's probably like kicking herself in the butt right now because she had been keeping her distance from him for many, 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 many years. And now here we go. She's tied up in this and God only knows what she said when she was questioned. She wasn't happy about being questioned. Um, but we're going to see. I'm going to keep an eye on this. The, the one that really, this January 6th is, a, is one I'm really following. And I'm really following the, the, the voter, not just the voter fraud thing, but the thing where he, in Georgia, where he, you know, he called down there and he asked for these votes to be. And now, you know, he gets thrown under the bus because, you know, the um, they're saying now that he was going to order the White House to take over the voting machines and, and collect the voting machines. And they were like, absolutely not. And then he went and assigned Giuliani to the task after the White House said, that's not happening. We're not doing that. And like I said, we felt that this White House was coming apart in his last year where people finally got common sense and was like, wait a minute here, my career's on the line. Granted, some people are still sticking with this whole agenda, and you've got your eight Republicans out there that are still staying strong to Trump, but other than that, a lot of people eventually came to their senses and were like, hey, I gotta move on, I got a career to think about. Um, as we saw with, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Liz Cheney and Messenger, uh, I think, I, I believe that's how you pronounce his last name. They kind of ripped into Trump also. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if you guys had saw that yesterday. So that's that's another another one. Um, let's see here. Getting into the entertainment booth. As you guys saw before the start of the show, I showed a clip from WKRP in Cincinnati. How it has been Dr. Johnny Fever. Uh, he was a guy who played this DJ, <laughs> one of the best roles in comedy television. Uh, he passed away at 81. Also, rest in peace to Chelsea Christ. Uh, she was a host of the Extra Show. Um, she actually jumped from her apartment building in New York from 29 floors up. Um, she suffered from mental illness on Instagram. Her last post was, may you have a good day and, and rest in peace, everybody. And then it was hours later they found her body at the at the front of the building. And she was dead. Uh, so, you know, last week we talked about the suicide hotline number. If you know anybody out there that's suffering from mental illness, please, please, please stay in touch with these people. Reach out to them. Just tell them if they don't want to talk or be around people. We have social media people. If you have somebody that you know that has a mental illness, tell that person, hey, just like my post. Just emoji my post. You don't have to call if you don't want to talk to anybody. Just like something and just let me know that you're okay. The last thing we want people to do is feel alone and then have to pick up our phones and see that somebody passed away because they took their own life. It's just, it's just sad. This last week has been just very upsetting. Um, in the entertainment booth, Fast and the Furious welcomes Jason Momoa to the Fast and Furious family for Fast and Furious 10. Nick Cannon is now having his eighth baby with his fifth baby's mother. This is just a shame. I'm tired of people putting this on. And, and putting him on a pedestal. Ronda Rousey won the Royal Rumble this weekend. She was actually given the Royal Rumble. She came back. She hasn't been in wrestling. She comes back and she gets a WrestleMania match. That pissed me off. I wasn't happy about that. PlayStation bought Bungie. But guess what, people? 
it's not that big of a deal. Bungie is a cross-play. They own Destiny. They no longer own Halo. Halo's with 343 Studios, which is under Microsoft. So they got Bungie. It's a nice little grab. As I said last week on the show, when um, Microsoft bought Activision, Sony's shares dropped by $20 billion. This announcement was made, and um, it was the shares only climbed $4 million. So the shareholders aren't feeling happy with this one. Um, Halo series got a premiere. It's coming out, and the trailer is available. I was going to play the trailer tonight, but because of time restraints tonight, I got a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, you guys will have to go on YouTube, pull up the trailer for Halo. Maybe I'll share it next week. I'll bring you guys the trailer for Halo, the TV show, the live action. It's insane. This one here, my man Rob down there, because he's been sharing the Wordle on his Facebook. <laughs> and, and my son... And a few of you all, all you other people there, um, kudos to the Brooklyn engineer who created the game Wordle. It's become such a big, humongous, popular game on social media that guess what? The New York Times has purchased Wordle. It's going to the New York Times website, and guess what? They already announced that it's going to be free for a limited time, which means guess what, Rob? You might have to pay for a subscription to the New York Times. Are you going to do that? <laughs> uh, probably not. I don't subscribe to – I mean, I like the paper. I don't subscribe to any papers at the moment because I can get – there are enough news sources I can consolidate. But, uh, yeah, I've only been playing World for like uh, a week, maybe 10 days. I, I just, saw, I yeah, saw, I saw you posting on it. And, yeah, I saw other people posting on it. I said, you know, it looks like fun. Maybe I'll give it a try after I had seen like 10 days of people's posting. <laughs> and it is fun. It's a good little brain teaser. It's only one puzzle a day, so you can't get addicted to it. I mean, as far as spending hours at a time anyway. Uh, once you get the word, you're done until tomorrow. So uh, it's kind of a nice thing to do in the morning with my coffee. <laughs> um, Ken, are you playing Wordle yet or no? No, I am not. I'm actually trying to resist it because <laughs> – a bunch of people I know are on it trying to get me on it. I think it's a goddamn cult and a conspiracy. I can't believe that R squared of all people. Oh my god. That's what I said. You can't get addicted to it. You can only play it once a day. God. Oh my god. Stop the madness. You're just afraid people would see that you couldn't get the word as well. <laughs> Ken's going to jump off of the trial now. We're going to see Wordle pop up on Ken. If you guys are following Ken, let's see if, if Wordle starts popping up on his social media stream. Oh, if you guys are wondering what's in my cup every week as we put it out there, um, orange juice is in my cup this week. So what's in my cup? <laughs> orange juice. What's no. What's, what's in the orange juice? <laughs> <laughs> I, saw, I saw Rob laugh. It's just orange juice. Um, well, because I, I do remember, gentlemen, the time we did the bourbon tasting on the air with the show. Oh. And, uh, oh. It was a very fun episode. That's all I'm going to say. Spirits of the Apocalypse. I drank the yes. Walking Dead oh, bourbon. Um, and I will tell you. It went down. I'm not a bourbon guy, but it went down pretty smooth. But I saved the bottle because the bottle is pretty unique, and I like it. And I'm a Walking Dead fan, but it's empty because we emptied it that night on the show, and I was tore up from the floor up. Um, All I can I'm, say is it was, I gotta it was put a something tough in. weekend. It was a tough weekend with all the <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was. I, I might have to go get another one. Um, because I, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a big drinker. I'm a, a huge lightweight. 
What's up, Dave Haggerty in the chat, Kevin Jeffries? Um, it's it's craziness. So let's get into the sports booth. UFC announces Donald Cerrone is going to take on Joe Lozon from here in Massachusetts at UFC Fight Night on April 30th. Let me get this up for you guys here. I'm pretty excited for this bout. Donald Cerrone, the cowboy, he is a great fighter. This is going to be a good fight. Lozon leads the UFC in fight bonuses. None of these guys are going to leave anything behind in the cage, if that's what you're thinking. I'm going to be ecstatic for this one. So get ready, everybody. Also in the sports booth, teenager Frank Rugdry, he's petitioning the NFL to move the Super Bowl to Saturday night. He says things would be better suited if the game look. Kid, I like it. I like your your drive and petition. But guess what? The the network marketing, TV, everybody has already figured out Sunday is the best day for the Super Bowl because it's two days of the weekend that they use to promote this thing, get everything out of it that they can. His his this young boy, he's trying. He says, "Well, people don't go to work on the Monday after the Super Bowl and this and that." I get it, kid. I see what you're trying to do. But guess what? If they move it to Saturday, people are going to take the day off before the Super Bowl to get ready for the Super Bowl. So either way, it's going to disrupt society. I've always said what they should do is make the game be two weeks after the championship games. That way, it falls on Monday, which is a holiday in February. It's President's Day. So now you have Super Bowl Sunday, you go into Valentine's Day weekend and President's Day, and the following week is school vacation week. So maybe they should think about making it two weeks before they have the game. What do you guys think? Or just keep it the way it is and just let people be irresponsible as they've been for the last 52, 51 years of Super Bowls. <laughs> you don't want me to say. <laughs> You know, it, it was always two weeks, but they had the 17th game and everything got pushed back one. So now you don't have that two week gap. It used to be this uh, this past weekend would have been the weekend with no football and uh, and then the Super Bowl. So it's uh, it, it, it kind of changed a little bit. Yeah. Now. So and now they, and now they have the Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl now falls between the week now. And it's kind of awkward and weird. But everybody had stopped tuning in to the Pro Bowl. So they did this to keep those people going. And we'll go from there. NASCAR kicks off this weekend. They've got the chase race um, out in L.A. at the L.A. Coliseum. I can't wait to watch that. I'm excited for that one. Also in the sports booth, MLB The Show video game is coming once again to Game Pass. I'm pretty excited about that. And then breaking news before we went on the air, former Dolphins coach Brian Flores is suing the NFL and the Miami Dolphins, the Giants and the Broncos for racial discrimination. I've got the actual statement here. I'm going to put up for you guys. His statement says, God has gifted me with a special talent to coach the game of football, but the need for change is bigger than my personal goals. In making the decision to file the class action complaint today, I understand that I may be risking coaching the game that I love and that has done so much for my family and me. My sincere hope is that standing up against systematic racism in the NFL and others will join me to ensure the positive change is made for generations to come. That is the statement released by Brian Flores in regards to this lawsuit that he's bringing against three teams and the NFL. Um, as we all remember years ago um, when this claim came out about racial bias in hiring coaches, 
Uh, the NFL did sign papers, if I'm not mistaken. We were on crashing into the big field at the time. Ken and myself were doing time on there. And um, the NFL had said that, you know, for every coach opening, I believe there was an agreement, and I don't have it in front of me, but there was an agreement for the NFL to, to interview so many minorities for coach openings, head coach openings. I forget what the number was. I forget how it was supposed to, but it, there was a strict breakdown as to how they were supposed to interview. Now, Brian Flores, when Miami let him go, a lot of people felt he was the forerunner. Um, Gerard Mayo up here, he was supposed to be another forerunner. As we all know, the GM and um, McDaniels are headed off to the Raiders. Um, the Chicago Bears grabbed the coordinator from Indy. I don't know if Denver's been picked up yet, but you know, if he has proof that that he was discriminated against, then rightfully so. Um, I'm going to be curious, but he is releasing text messages and he's calling out Ross, the owner of the Dolphins, saying that when he came there, um, he was offered 100000 to tank the season so they would definitely get better draft picks after they had already got um, you know, a certain spot. And, and we've talked about this on the show, how teams operate and how sometimes teams seem to be tax write-offs. The Redskins, the, the Detroit Lions. We've had this argument and debate before, you know, where we feel like, man, there's something else there. If he's got text messages with this stuff, this is some scary stuff right here. If you've got GMs and owners of teams approaching head coaches, offering them a hundred grand bonus to tank that season, we've asked ourselves this. We've seen this week 15, 16, 17, where Teams do these things, and you're like, whoa, okay. Um, I squared you talked about it before several times on, on this show. Yeah, you know, the uh, <clears throat> I know the, the league certainly has that interviewing requirement. I don't know if they made it, you know, depends on what the punitive provisions would be, whether mm -hmm. he actually has a case. In other words, if, it, if they don't do it, does that mean he has a cause of action as opposed to the, the league taking action against the owners who didn't interview or something? So I, I just, you know, look, I don't, th I, I said from the minute it happened, I didn't think Flores should have been fired. Uh, nope. And I also always caveat opinions about these type of things by saying, we don't know what the heck was going on within the team. Uh, we don't know what, you know, what was, how effective he was, if he had problems with the ownership, if he, we, we just don't know why we know that he lost seven games in a row during this season and they missed the playoffs when they were expected to be a competitive team this year. And, uh, and while they only missed it by a game because of some of the tiebreaker rules, they never should have lost seven in a row to include like teams like Jacksonville, not, <coughs> if, you want to be, not if you want to be a playoff team. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, like I said, I thought he was a decent enough coach. I would have, I would have left him to continue his building work. Maybe they wouldn't have lost seven in a row next year. And, and I, I think it was a mistake to fire him, but maybe there were problems inside the organization. And if there were problems inside the organization, you, you, do you think it would be odd that the other teams aren't going to necessarily be excited to, to try to hire him if there were problems? Um, I mean, I, I know sometimes coaches don't succeed in one job, but there's a better system somewhere, or maybe they just had some better player luck. I don't know, but they succeed in other places. And so, you know, maybe Flores was not a great fit for Miami, or maybe he'll be a better fit somewhere else, or maybe maybe he's not a good fit in other systems. And, and so that's, you know, that's the nature of the beast is, is where you a good fit. A great quarterback might not be great on every team. So, you know, for, for Flores to say that, uh, that he thinks – 
he's being discriminated against because of his race because he hasn't been rehired. The problem is whether he's seen it, you know, he's seen as a failed coach right now. And, uh, and, and maybe there's other stuff. So, you know, it, it wasn't because he was this up and coming guy that was denied an interview because people weren't sensitive about hiring coaches of color. He's a known quantity. So I think, I, I think, I don't think he has a case. Uh, I think the NFL needs to do, you know, needs to remain conscious of the, of the real objective, but I don't think he has a personal case here at all. Right. Um, Dave Haggerty's in the chat. No, it's a text message from Ross, the owner of the dolphins. Um, and then he's named the Giants. He's named the Broncos. Everybody who didn't interview him, he's named. Yeah, yeah, everybody who didn't interview him. So there must be some type of process. Ken, I don't know if you remember, if you were familiar with what the process was and what the yeah, stipulation no, was. What it was was, if I remember correctly, and call me if I'm wrong, the <clears> answer was every time there's a head coaching position available, any the, the, the requirement was you had to interview one person of color who had at least – five years of coaching experience and held one of the key positions, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, special teams. Mm. You had to interview that individual. You didn't have to offer him the job. You just had to interview it. The argument was that these people were, these people are not getting interviewed because no one, no one wants, no one knows who they are. So the idea was to, if you push them into being interviewed, they get their name around the league. A couple of things. The NFL is one of the most corrupt organizations in the history of man's second only to the NCAA. They are run by a bunch of old, fat, rich, white guys. I don't think there's one female owner. I think the Bengals have – have uh, no, I'm sorry. The Chiefs have – their chief operating officer is the daughter of Lamar Hunt, I believe, but she's not the CEO. Right. So the fact that they are, they are having some racial insensitivity problems, I'm shocked. Shocked, I tell you, to find out there's gambling going on in this establishment. <laughs> And we'll see because, like I said, it's it's crazy. Go ahead. By the way, to quote the quote, the great late great head coach of the Oilers, Bum Phillips. There are two types of coaches in the NFL. Head coaches in the NFL: those that have just been fired and those that are about to be fired. Well, that's I mean, exactly right. Except it's, for the it's... Patriots and the Steelers, I think most NFL teams go through a head coach every two to three years. Yeah, it's it's one of those aspects of the business, right? If you don't produce immediately, you're you're at risk of being fired. Even though everybody will say, "Oh yeah, yeah, it'll take three or four years to build the team," so you've got at least three or four years to, and then they get fired after two years. That's that's just ridiculous. But that's what happens in the NFL. They have no patience, or or who knows why? Maybe there's fighting going on. But the uh, the fact of the matter is that's what it's like. And so once you get to be a head coach. I don't know that you can claim that you weren't given that opportunity unless you were a damn good head coach and then nobody wanted to interview you. But once you're labeled as somebody that has problems with management, problems with the players, that's a reason not to be hired. Mm-hmm. Or right. if you're a losing coach, you know. Right, right. Well, it's going to get interesting. We're going to see what happens here. <clears throat> I'm going to keep my eyes on it and see where it goes. Um, today, the NFL, for me, they became huge hypocrites. Uh, first of all, I will commend them for the little bit of money that they now have donated to research funding. The NFL is now awarding a million dollars to study the effects of cannabis on pain management and concussions. Guess what? You are the biggest hypocrites out there, NFL. Because when Ricky Williams brought this to your attention, you instead laughed at the guy. You ridiculed the guy. You blackballed him from the league. 
to the point where Miami didn't allow him to get his bonus. And, um, oh, somebody just put the chat and said, Bill Belichick accidentally texted Flores when he meant to text the ball to congratulate him on getting the job with the New York Giants. So this is what kind of opened this up. Oh, ouch, 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 ouch. So we'll have to keep an eye on that and see. <laughs> but I don't even think, I didn't even know the Giants were interviewing any, the Giants are interviewing new coaches in New York. Our last R squared, that's his team. Yeah, they fired Joe Judge a while ago. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and so they immediately fired Joe Judge wanting this coach from Buffalo, Dayball. Yeah. And so they interviewed him. He was a good fit. And that's they, it's not like they interviewed five people and picked. He's, he's the only guy. Right. Because that's they who they wanted. So it's they didn't discriminate against anybody. This is the Giants. They only wanted the one guy. They got the one guy. They so they didn't talk to anybody else. But if Ken, there was a so, reason. so Ken, if you if what you're saying, though, the Giants are unfortunately in the wrong because you said if you remember the stipulation correctly, they are right. supposed to interview one minority. So. In right. this case, they would be wrong, which means they should. Yeah, the, so. Giants, but, the, the Giants could be wrong, but it doesn't have to be Flores is my point. Right, exactly. Right. Else. And yep. as I told you in the chat before, it's a fake interview if they're not really going to be serious right. about it. Ex exactly. Right. And the other, as our score pointed out, what are, what are the sanctions for failure to do this? I don't know. I don't know there right. are any sanctions. But, so here's my thing, though. I feel, and, and I'm a black man, but I also know what the NFL is about money-wise. And I get it. You want to try to level the playing field, but if you have a coach that you feel or somebody's going to fit into you, what you're trying to bring to your team, I still feel like a team like a Giants should say, hey, if we feel like DeBall is going to fit what we want for this team and what we have for players, you should be allowed to do that. I guess what happened was is that there was so much racial bias before that it takes that away. Because I feel like you should just be able to hire who you feel is the best fit for your team. Right. Remember, you don't have to hire. You just have to interview. But here, I remember when I think it was Dennis Green mm -hmm. was, yes. the, was. I remember when he was hired <clears throat> as the first person of color in the NFL at, to be a head coach for the Minnesota Vikings. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that long ago when there were no. And I'll go even one better. Remember Doug Williams from yes, Tampa Bay? Yep. When he became the first quarterback, there were people who said with a straight face that they didn't think blacks. Was smart enough. Had the intellectual ability to be a quarterback. Mm -hmm. People said this publicly. That was in you know within our lifetimes. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so getting back to what I was on the other topic here, NFL awards a million dollars to study cannabis. Um, and like I said, this is hypocritical because they blackballed Ricky Williams, who tried to bring this to the NFL. He wanted the NFL to invest in cannabis. Um, he had said that it helped him with pain management and things of that sort, and instead the NFL blackballed him, owners blackballed him, he was ridiculed and pretty much laughed out of the NFL, Ricky Williams, who was one of the better running backs of that era, and now the NFL, here we are many years later, they're going to turn around, they're going to stick the money into funding something that they already know works, um, they've got signs for CBD, Gillette Stadium's got a big old sign promoting Gronkowski's CBD company over there at his stadium, over at this stadium. So, I mean, hypocrites. Big 
hypocrites. Uh, also in the news, Tom Brady screws up his own retirement announcement, as you guys know. On Saturday, Tom Brady retired. He didn't retire. And then two days later, guess what, people? He retired. Now, I've been following this whole dumpster fire of a PR and thing. And look, I've already said this two years ago that this man had a strategy. He had a plan. It went exactly the way I said. And I think this was a PR nightmare because they withheld the man in the arena 10th final episode. And everybody was wondering why he was doing that. And I said, he's retiring. He's going to make the announcement. He's going to retire. And then what happened was is that they have a podcast called the Man in the Arena podcast that attaches to the show when it airs. Guess what? CBS dropped the ball. They released the podcast. And that episode of the podcast, the 10th podcast, guess what it's about? Life After Football, which is featuring Tom Brady's business partner, Mr. Chopra, and Tony Gonzalez, talking about life after football. What's that let you know? That the 10th episode of Man in the Arena would have been about Tom Brady retiring from football. That's number one. Number two, the other funny thing is is that CBS <laughs> CBS and ESPN were the two that leaked this story. Credible sources, they leaked this story. The question is, is who leaked it to them and why? Part of me was wondering, is Tom Brady going into the, the broadcast booth and get the same type of deal that the Tony Romo got? Who knows? But that could be there. We might see that. Um, usually what happens is is that teams um, will take a player back for one day, and I'll get into that, but I'm going to let these guys speak on the Tom Brady fiasco first before I rip some people apart here. But what were you guys' thoughts on the Tom Brady fiasco? Because New England fans right now, y'all pissing me off. I'm, i got to hold off because I'm about to go – Ken Diesel on you all. Well, I agree. I think your statement that this was a screw-up was apropos. I think, for whatever reason, I think someone either in the Tom Brady camp or outside was trying to steal his thunder. He, you know, initially the source said he's retiring. Then he said, well, I haven't in my mind. Then he comes out and I'm retiring. Look, I really don't care. 22 years, seven Super Bowls, five MVPs. He is going to be the, he's clearly a first ballot Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. If his if his retirement got screwed up, I'm sorry, I'm not feeling too bad about bad, that. Bad press is good press. Yeah, so that's my take on it. Ashwin. Yeah, I, I didn't think it was it was much of an issue. I mean, uh, people make it an issue just to you know who knows have something <clears throat> to talk about, but uh, I just don't think it matters. He's Tom Brady. Everybody knows who he is, what he did. You know, whatever you know, it just does it just doesn't change anything. And this is going out for those who are listening, watching the show. I see you all in the chat. I see you guys on my Facebook page. Look, right now, Patriots New England fans are losing their mind because he released a statement today and spoke about Tampa Bay and this and that. And now all of a sudden everybody's pissed because he didn't mention the New England fans. First of all, people, number one. Y'all didn't even give this man a chance to mention New England in a separate statement. He didn't want to bulk New England. So while everybody's bitching and moaning and complaining about Tom Brady and not thanking New England, guess what, people? He was about to release a statement. Y'all didn't give him a chance because everybody was on social media ripping the poor man apart about not mentioning. Guess what? First of all, let's be real honest here. When he left for Tampa, he said what he needed to say to New England fans, number one. He said it. He left. 
And now he released his statement about Tampa. Okay? Number two, if you follow football and pay attention to football, because most of you dumb crybaby whiners don't listen to anything when it in regards to football and how it works out. Most players of a Tom Brady status, when they retire, they retire from that team. Guess what? Then you have to wait till you clear waivers and all this other crap. You have to wait till everything's cleared. And then what usually happens a week or two later? Then Tom Brady would come back to New England, sign with the Patriots for one day so he can get his union bonus for retiring with the team that he spent the most time with. And the plan was probably to come here, sign that one day, and then he would be down at the Patriots Hall of Fame. He would have a whole big press conference, and they would, he would do all his thank yous and that stuff then. But instead, all you crybaby pissants who are whining about Tom Brady didn't do this for us, and Tom Brady didn't just shut up. Shut up. You know what I got to say to you guys? Here you go. Lighten up, Francis. Lighten up, Francis. Lighten up. You all are ridiculous. Ridiculous. He don't owe you nothing. He's married. He's got kids. He bled for 22 years in football. He bled for 20 of those here in New England, and we drank from the Chalice Cup. Six Super Bowls. We've done something that we've never done before. You all crying and complaining about this and that? Look, did you all see what just happened with Kansas City? Yo, telling everybody how Kansas City was going to be the next dynasty. No, they're not. Andy Reid did what he usually does. He should have went for a field goal. He didn't kick the field goal. And guess where Kansas City's sitting at home? Sitting at home. Okay? And then for all you idiots last week who were talking about overtime and changing the rules and all of that stuff, you know what? You all bug me there. Do something else. Stop crying about this. Sit down. Sit down. Why? Because if you watch the games this weekend, Kansas City goes into overtime, they win the toss, guess what happens, people? Mahomes threw the pick, and they lose the game. As I said, hashtag play defense in overtime. Everybody wants a participation trophy. Stop it. I'm so sick and tired of everybody. Well, they should get another chance. No! You, you had two chances. You had two chances. Special teams has a chance to kick the ball and pin them back in their own zone. And then the defense has four downs to stop you. So you have two chances to keep a team from scoring in the end zone. So stop it, people. And as I said, everybody was told to shut up this week in the KC game because KC lost. Why? Because the Bengals played defense in overtime and got the pick. And they're going to the Super Bowl. That's why we don't need to change the rules to overtime. Period. Guys? <laughs> I couldn't add to that if I wanted to. Yep, same here. I, I, I'm just pissed because it, participation trophies piss me off in, in sports. And this this society thinks that we need to – if something don't go your way, guess what? Everybody thinks we need to change the rules. No, we don't. The rules are the effing rules. <laughs> there for a reason. Jesus Christ. Oh. Biden bombshells. Let's get into this one. Uh, Joe Biden this week was expected to nominate 
what they were saying is a black woman to the Supreme Court, and the rumors were abound. Kamala Harris is what they're saying could be that pick for the Supreme Court. I I will entertain that conversation because she comes from law. I think she would fit in nicely. People are saying, no, well, she's not going to step down from VP. But I'm like, look, the word behind the scenes is, is right now there's a lot of tension between her camp and his camp. They're not getting along. The word is, is that there's a ton of tension. My feeling is, is that if you can relieve that tension before it implodes and get her to Supreme Court, that might be the strategic political move to make. So I've been dying to get these guys on to talk about this rumor and what their thoughts were in regards to Joe Biden and the rumors. I'm going to start with Ken Diesel first. Yeah, very simply. It's an excellent rumor. I like it a lot, and it ain't happening. They're not going to ship a sitting vice president to the Supreme Court, especially Kamala Harris. Not going to happen. Just not going to happen. I don't. I think there aren't enough Democrats who will back that play, and the Republicans will line up against her. I swear. It'd be nice. Oh, not going to happen. I swear. Yeah, and it's not going to happen for a number of reasons. I agree with everything Ken said. She's also not the best qualified candidate, and and. There, the other candidates that he's going to nominate are far more qualified and will sail through the Senate if it's fair. But do you guys have any ideas who you think he might nominate? And that, to be honest, I don't think it should have to be a black woman. It should be the best person qualified for that job, to be honest. It doesn't have to be. Stop pandering. Well, yeah, no, I agree with you on the, on the on that. You really, you know, that shouldn't be the case. And he shouldn't have made such a specific promise during the campaign. But nevertheless, mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is, that, uh, you know, the, the criteria he announced is actually very similar criteria that other presidents use because it's generic enough, but it's, you know, highly qualified, experienced, achievement, you know, all those, those, those buzzwords, right? You're not going to pick somebody who's one year out of law school or had a, you know, a mediocre career in law or anything like that. You're looking for somebody that has, you know, the, the proven intellect, the experience, the temperament, all the things that you would really expect of a judge and a true professional uh, to be the person that's nominated. We have plenty of people like that uh, who could, you know, who could fit the bill. And so, you know, the media tries to speculate about some kind of shortlist, you know, because they can identify some uh, some well-known judges or, or other folks and and that type of thing. Uh, so that's, you know, that's interesting. And they may they may, you know, get some of it right. But uh, I don't know that it's wrong to say at this point that he's going to do it because he has announced consistently, you know, the proper criteria that he's looking for. And what he said was there are some uh, African-American accomplished you know, jurists out there that have all of those qualities. And since we've never had uh you know, a, a black woman on the Supreme Court, he would like to do that. Well, as long as she meets the same qualifications he was looking for in any judge, I see nothing wrong with it. Okay, Gloria Shea is out there. Uh, she is the host of Talk Back with Gloria Shea. She says, while I don't think VP Harris will be shipped out to a judgeship, she's, she does agree that there is some tension behind the scenes between her and Joe Biden that does need to be fixed. So we'll see about that. Um, getting into the Biden uh, bombshells, the last... To- oh, we actually got three topics. One more left after this. Uh, Biden is awaiting approval from the Ukraine on the ambassador selection. Um, this is going to be someone who's going to go over and handle the dealings and the affairs of what's going on with the Ukraine. As you guys have been sleeping under a rock, Russia has been moving their troops along the borders. Um, it's got a lot of people worried. People are feeling like they're about to enter Ukraine and take that over. Um, remember when Trump got voted in? Um, 
Putin had did the same thing. And the thing is, is that Biden has to act on it. He has to. He has to act on it. I feel like Putin is using Biden as a pawn just to see what Biden is going to do. I believe Biden isn't going to make any crucial knee-jerk reactions. I think he's going to do everything within what he's supposed to do involving NATO and things of that sort. I squared, you're a military guy. What do you think on this one? Do you think it's just a really be careful how he approaches this type of thing? You know, they're always testing, and uh, Putin is a very calculated individual. I, I think he asked, absolutely has aspirations to control Ukraine. Uh, I think he was testing to see what kind of a deal he could get. He was testing to see how legitimate NATO's resolve would be. Uh, he was see- thinking maybe he would get some kind of an offer. And he's also doing the famous Russian tactic of uh, distraction. Right where they they focus you over here and they're they're doing something over here, and so he has us so focused on the possible invasion of Ukraine that don't think for a minute they aren't looking for a softer approach where they just take out the leader and replace their own. Maybe that's done militarily. Maybe that's done by some other reason. Maybe they've got some you know. So Putin is playing all kinds of different angles. It's a multi-level chess game, and uh, right now I think the United States and NATO are, are doing just fine. I mean, the, you can't actually threaten to counterattack Russia because that's you know that's not realistic, and there's no consensus for that. Uh, you can let them know that there'll be a strong response, and NATO seems to be determined, uh, in, you know, at least in concept on that. And you've got multiple countries of NATO sending aid to Ukraine, so. They're sending the right messages to Putin. There's nothing they can do to stop him from invading if he really wants to do that. He's had 120,000 Russian troops outside of Ukraine, and he's had about 30 to 50,000 more uh, in Belarus, which is on Ukraine's northern border and closer to Kiev. So uh, he's, he, he has the ability with very little effort to go in and do what he wants and leave. So if he doesn't do it, it's because this is a multi-level chess game. If he does do it, it's because he realized that he's not afraid of the sanctions or anything else, because, quite frankly, they've got China and other friends and the sanctions aren't going to have nearly the impact they should. So, you know, it'll be very interesting to watch. But I, I, I think the administration is doing the things that they need to be doing. There's just there's not a great answer here. Ken, anything to add to that? Yeah, I agree. There is no question about uh, about it if he wants to do it. There's very little the West can do. And I think the big thing that we are not concentrating on is how, how this will be received in the Ukraine. Ukraine has, for a long history, has their own culture, their own language. Backroom politics, I think most Ukrainians would tolerate. I think actual physical Russian soldiers on their doorstep, that could create a bigger problem for Putin than anything NATO could do. And now that opens the door to NATO to financing the separatist groups within Ukraine. I mean, they had a problem with Chechnya. They got their nose punched. I think Putin exactly is trying to push the button, see how far he can push and what kind of deal he can get. And I agree. It could be the fact that he's using Ukraine for something else. Like he wants you to concentrate on Ukraine and golly knows what he's going to do over here. And that and that's the uh, Gloria Shea talking back on the last topic. She says choosing an African American woman is very appropriate at this time. She'll bring a new point of view and broaden uh, the views on the Supreme Court. She also says Putin is very strategic. He will push as much as he can, and then he may go in or he will go in. So thank you for that one, Gloria Shea, commenting on that one. Uh, moving into the next final topic, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, who 
Oshquid has spoke very highly of on this show. Um, you actually served under him during your time overseas. Um, Lloyd Austin is in the news today because there were six Republican governors who were pushing this whole vaccine mandate for their national guards. They have to take the vaccination. And there were these six Republican governors who were objecting to that. And they were talking about, I forget, one, one of the governors, he agreed and didn't have his troops uh, get vaccinated, his National Guard troops. So I'm going to let our squid speak on this because you, we, when this topic first came up, we, were, we talked about this. You said it's going to come this far. You said Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin is going to be like, no, this is how it is. And you either live by the rules or die by the rules. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this at length because there was uh, the case out of Oklahoma, if you remember, where they, mm -hmm. you know, they weren't playing ball and, and that type of thing. And, you know, that's what kind of started it. And then, you know, somebody goes first and then you've got the, the people who jump on. So you've got all these uh, cases right now that the fact of the matter is this, uh, you know, we've talked about this every time this this comes up. If you join the military, there are medical requirements because you cannot risk being either spreading a disease or becoming unable to fight if there's a contingency of some kind. So you have strict medical readiness requirements. And that means vaccinations. You're vaccinated for everything, whether you need it or not. Uh, anthrax alone is a seven shot series and you have to have all seven. And so the fact that you might need a couple of uh, you know, COVID shots, which is more like a flu vaccine than anything else, as far as the impact on you, you might be sick for a day. There's no valid objection to that. They're playing politics. These governors and these, uh, you know, whatever leaders are supporting them in their National Guard are playing politics. They are willing to threaten or yeah, threaten the, our national security, their job to have their units not ready uh, for various reasons to include COVID. Uh, and in favor of some sick political game. I mean, so, you know, it's ridiculous. So what is Secretary Austin supposed to do, right? His requirement is to make sure that the armed forces of the United States are trained and ready and committed when necessary to defend this country. And uh, the rule is you have to meet medical requirements. And if they're going to skip a vaccine that's otherwise been mandated, and by the way, without reason to object, it's, you know, it's been certified by the FDA. It's not like there's some risky experiment. Uh, so you have to you have to expect the consequences will be real. Secretary Austin has no choice. They were given plenty of time. If they choose to ignore the deadline, I guess it's time for separation. Go do something else. Mm. Ken, anything to add? Nope, nope. I think our square covered it perfectly, as usual. And like you said, they've got to be prepared. You know, when this whole thing with Ukraine went down, they, they activated 8,500 troops, uh, men, for a troop to, to be oh, able to respond. The National Guard is very important. They're, yeah. they, 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 they do things domestically that the, the active duty forces can't <clears throat> do. They also backfill and, and go overseas. So it, it's not like this is just people who do training once in a while and it's no big deal. It is a big deal. It's a realistic possibility that they'll have to do their duty. And so you, you can't be playing these games. The military is not part of these games. If there's a requirement, you do it. Just like you have to do push-ups and sit-ups and run and meet height <laughs> weight requirements, it's the same as everything else. Yeah. If that's and, not what you want, go do something else. And here in Massachusetts, we've seen it firsthand because they had a shortage of school drivers when the school bus, when the school uh, season started. And guess what ended up happening up here? They brought the National Guard in to drive the school buses here in the Boston area 
because they had a massive shortage of drivers due to COVID and things of that sort. So the National Guard came in here for that. I know that when I went for my second vaccination at, in Brockton, um, it was the, the National Guard who was doing the vaccination process, which, to be honest, it went super smooth. And I don't know why the military wasn't doing it from the get-go, in the, you know, because it was just so efficient. The way it was set up, the way it was done was just perfect. It was perfect. Um, so I, I, I'm really happy about this, that, you know, you said he was going to stand his ground. I didn't think any different. So uh, that's about it. It's 818. Um, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the show. For us, there are my beanies. For those who support Sinister One Productions, also I got to talk about the shows that I produce. As you guys see, people in the chat, She Talks Football Podcast, Drafting the Circuits, Oscar Mike Radio debuted his new look last week, Travis Pontington. Um, Kevin Jeffries is in the chat. Happy hour with Lito. Maddie sees comes up at eight thirty. The triple threat. Happy hour with Lito is at nine. Talk back with Gloria Shea. Her show will be back on Saturday. Um, I believe it's the twelfth. Let me just double check my date here on the twelfth. Yep, she'll be back with her show. She's actually in the chat. And um, t-shirt winner John Hayes and the AFL has signups for player registration. Get in on it. The season kicks off this year. And the music video shoot for Vexter, Let's Roll, Viana Marie's first single off her new album, is being shot this weekend. And when I get out of here, I'm going to show a promo from Scott Sandinato of Sando Films, who is actually directing this video. I, I can't wait. I'm wicked excited. And um, I've got something to say to you Tampa Bay fans before we get out of here and get into this video and let SpongeBob take this home. But I'm going to let my guys go around the horn here and uh, say their goodbyes. Oh, I got to mention Cage Titans this weekend in Plymouth. I'm not going to be there because I'll be at the music video shoot, but Lionel Bougeon taking on Joe Penifial, the party. Um, good luck to both of you guys. Also, good luck to Joe Gianetti, Skeletor, who's fighting on the card and trying to get back to the UFC. Um, I'm going to let our square go first to say his goodbyes. Hey, thanks, everybody. It was a great show. Enjoy the opportunity to talk about these issues. Uh, stay informed. And mention the corridor, please, because you've been putting some great pieces over at the corridor. Thank you. Uh, no, do you have, don't you have a new one? You just posted something? No, I didn't do anything in the last few days. Uh, last week would have been uh, the last post, but if anybody, you know, if you like what you hear, come check out the corridor. It's a page on Facebook. Yeah, good stuff. Ken, what do you got going on? I want a big thank you to all of our listeners, all 12 of you. Also, a big shout out <coughs> to all of my fellow Disney runners, Marathon Weekend was last weekend, especially all of you dopey uh, participants and finishers. And of course, yeah, they were dopey. Yeah. <laughs> big shout out to Mike, to Team Jersey, Coach Lisa Kilgore, uh, Michael Kreich, uh, Robert Kreich, and Melissa Mickelson. Thank you guys. And for all of you, be warm, be safe, stay informed. And what we're going to do here is we're going to get off the air here so you guys can get ready to tune in to Maddie C Sports for you and me. So what I got to do here is I'm going to say my goodbyes. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And then I got something special for all you Tampa Bay people out there who lost Tom Brady because you got your Super Bowl. Oh, no. We suck again. <laughs> oh, no. You suck again. <laughs> all right, guys. We're out of here. Here's the promo for Viana Marie's music video shoot, Let's Roll, Sandal Film Sizzle Reel. Here we go. 
What's up? It's your boy Sinister One of Sinister One Productions and the booth here to let you know that Saturday night's video shoot for Boston recording artist Viana Marie's first single, Let's Roll, off her new project, It's Personal, featuring Hillary Banks, will be shot by Scott Sandonato of Sando Films. Coming from a loaded and talented production world of visual entertainment in this area, Sando Films is one of the top music video productions out of Boston. Scott is working very closely with Viana Marie about her vision, the theme of this video, and what she wants to do right out the gate to set the tone for this first single leading into her latest project, and Scott will be at the helm to direct her first full feature music video. So please check out this sizzle reel provided by Scott of Sando Films, of all the artists and music videos that he has produced here in the Boston area. Thank you for listening to The Booth on Hoobazoo and Hatcherradio.com. Please follow the Facebook page and subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. The Booth is a Sinister One production hosted by Sinister One. I've got to start hanging out with friends that are a little more intelligent and understand politics instead. It's just that I'm up on this level up here and all my friends are down here. Me, nah. You guys, nah. Maybe a little more down, down in here. Screw you guys, I'm going home. I smoke, I drink, I do my thing. These
bitches hating, so you know I got to make it plain. Don't do cocaine with your chick, my main. We stick together, true forever, yeah, you know we bang. I miss those days, which was easy. If only I make it, bitch, don't repeat. Now that I done upgraded, I've been upstate, but y'all think I'm playing. And I got to hit now for these weak assholes who think I ain't playing. Cause I never back down I'm that chick with a clean ass whip I don't need that bitch Cause I got my own now I get hurt, I get tired of fussing, fighting Guess I gotta crack down Don't mess with me Cause on everything I'ma have to bring the whole city out W-H-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O That's your website Get your website Get your website Get your website Get your website